What is up, my friends? Chad here again with another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. This week, as usual, I am joined by Dan and Adrian. This is another installment in our Harrison Assessment series. The Harrison Assessment is a tool that we use to map culture in businesses and to also help individuals understand their preferences and traits that will allow them to enjoy enjoy their work more. Now, this conversation is all based on the delegation paradox. Harrison is broken into 12 different paradoxes. Today, we're talking about delegation. There's so many high points of this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. And of course, I just want to mention, if this catches your ear and you want to map out the culture of your organization or find out your personal traits and preferences, go ahead and click the link in the description. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Chad. I'm here with Adrian and Dan. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, doing great. Good to be here. Great. Thank you. A quick intro again for these conversations. We're talking about the the paradox theory in Harrison assessments. And this week we're focusing on the delegation paradox. And I'll just do a quick reminder. If you want more information about Harrison assessment, paradox theory, all of that kind of stuff, check out the description of this episode. Also the thumbnail in Spotify is the visual graphic for this paradox. Uh, Unfortunately, if you're on Apple podcasts, you won't be able to see it, but if you're in Spotify, just go ahead and take a look at the thumbnail of the episode and you can see, exactly what we're talking about in the visual representation of this paradox of delegation. And, uh, you know, that's my long-winded intro for each one of these episodes. So also the other thing that we keep in mind as we have these conversations is definitions, 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 especially with this one. This, This delegation paradox has the term of authoritative in it. And that can be very misunderstood if we don't define it in the context of which Harrison has, has decided it means. So um, first, the definition of the paradox or the, or the description of the paradox in general, the delegation paradox says how you approach self-responsibility and collaboration. So we're, we're and, and the two traits that we are measuring is I already said the first one authoritative and that's on the vertical axis and they define authoritative by, and if I were to ask each of you what authoritative means, it might have some sort of a negative slant to it. But the, the, the definition that we're working with is the desire for decision-making authority and the willingness to accept decision-making authority. Which is distinct from authoritarian. Yes. Exactly. Um, and uh, on the horse, horizontal axis, we have collaborative, the tendency to collaborate with others when making decisions. So we're talking about decision making. And, uh, and those are our two terms that we're working with. Um, right at the top, gentlemen, as you as you approach this uh, paradox with um, clients that have taken the assessment, how do you start to introduce the idea of authoritative or collaborative or what's, what are some of the conversation touch points that you work with? Dan, you usually have something good to say about each of these paradoxes uh, as we start to, to clarify and to make sure that we're understanding what we're looking at. And then we can talk about the uh, imbalances and the balance. Well, I mean, I'm collaborative. I, I really, I come out of a Catholic background, you know, Catholic school background. So, 
when you do when you define a word using a word, it gets it, we were taught you don't do that. And so here, collaborative is defined as the tendency to collaborate with others when making decisions. <laughs> which really mean another way of saying that is the the willingness to cooperate with others when making decisions. So I'm cooperating. I'm listening to what they have to say because I'm open to and reflective upon what they see and how it may illuminate something I don't see and could either add to or take away from, you know, change my perspective and what, you know, how we plan and act on what we're doing. So, and I think the authoritative one's really clear. But those yeah. are, and you can yeah. see that authoritative is the active trait and that collaborative is the supportive trait. Yeah. So I fall, um, I'm nine on authoritative and I'm a five on collaborative. Hmm. So a little bit of an imbalance there. I, I walk that line. Once again, I walk that line between. <laughs> so the, the, um, the imbalance on the authoritative side is authoritarian. And the imbalance on the collaborative side is defers decisions. So um, I kind of, I fall more into the authoritarian, half into the authoritarian, half into, and the balance quadrant is called authoritative collaboration. So I'm half, half there, half out. Um, where do you gentlemen fall? For me, I am an eight on authoritative and a nine on collaborative. Look at you, balanced boy. Yeah, balance is all over the place. I when, I, when, I'm, when I'm imbalanced, I'm really imbalanced. So you can't really tell. You Dan? Uh, mine's the same as Adrian. <laughs> I have nine? Oh, same. Yeah. Eight oh, nine. that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, another thing that I was just thinking um, to answer your initial question too, Chad, of like, how do I bring this up or how does this come up? Um, yeah, you know, I think about, I mean, I, uh, well, two, two things come to mind. One is I noticed like my report, I was run against CEO. So in the CEO, when you run it, if you're running something, running a business, whatever, um, the, and I don't know if we've talked about this, but the authoritative is an essential trait for the position, you know, and I, I usually talk about authoritative. I like working with athletes. So lots of my, lots of my, uh, clients end up being athletes or competitive, you know, later in life, even like Iron Man-ish type people. Yeah. And I usually say authoritative is, you know, I want the ball. Give me the ball. I'll take the ball. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we got 10 seconds left. Put me in, you know, um, that type of personality. I'll take it. Um, and anyway, the, the authority, that's why I think it's essential for, uh, it's an, it is an essential trait that they say it, you know, for the CEO to have authoritativeness, like, okay, they want, or they want the responsibility. They, uh, and they, they want to make decisions and have the responsibility of those decisions. Um, the other one collaborative is supportive. It's not an essential trait. It's just, it is a, um, instead of essential, it's, it's a desired trait for the position. So it's really great if it's there. It's great if it's there. It doesn't have to, it's not an essential trait for the position as they've studied it, but it's really great if it's there. Um, I think we've all experienced that. You know, it, it, I, I actually, as we're thinking here, I'm thinking about the, remember that documentary, what was it called? The Last Dance? Mm -mm. You, you guys didn't watch it? You didn't watch The Last Dance? Is that what it's, not not what it's called? I'm watch it. Now I'm all excited. I got something to watch. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, you haven't oh. seen it either, Chad? Oh, I've seen it. 
Okay, good. I've contemplated starting it again. <laughs> it's so good, right? It's so good. Like, yes, yes. So, I mean, the distinction, right, is like um, if you're great and want others to share in the greatness, then you're top right. If you're great and, you know, um, don't care if they're there or not or see them as a threat, then you're probably shifting towards authoritative. Like, I want the ball. I must have the ball. And who's done that? I've done that lots in my life. It's like, no, no, I don't trust you. I'll take the ball. In fact, that's where you learn teamwork. <laughs> that's right. Right. So anyway, I, I think athletes really get this. People that compete, you know, do do team sports kind of get this dynamic that, you know, in order to pull this off, like I can look good on my own. We're probably not going to win if I'm only good, though. So we got to be better. You know, top right's a we game. Top left when I'm hanging out in that quadrant is a me game. Can be. <laughs> so you asked like how I frame it up or how I jump in the conversation with leaders. Um, that's one of the ways I do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I use something very similar. I use the distinction between, I, in fact, if you're imbalanced towards the authoritative side, you probably experience more pressure. You probably burnt more, you burn quicker because you're carrying weight that really could be distributed with the team. And there are people probably more qualified on your team to do it than you are. That's why you hired them. And if you hired them and you're not using them, you might want to review what's wanted needed so you can trust them enough to do their job. Really. I mean, why hire great people and then not have them do what they came to do and be rewarded for what they're good at. So, yep. so I think, I think Dan, to your point is that if you're high authorit authoritative and lower on collaborative, you end up burning out, which I, which I, know that. And I, it's, it can be, I mean, a lot, we talk a lot about burnout, especially, you know, during this season of life for the last year, um, during isolation, like COVID time for people like quote unquote burnout is up. Now, why is that? I think people have decided that communication with others is harder virtually. Um, and like, you know, there's not a quote unquote, not as much time to just kind of run into people and have the conversations I would have had at the office. So, and which is true. Well, and is, is as true as you want it to be, as long as you need it to be true to prove your motive, the, you know, but ends up being like, I'm alone. I, it, this is on me, which I think is, is the, probably the thinking of what happens if I'm high on authoritative and lower on collaborative is I'm alone. It's on me. And that feels like pressure and it is pressure ends up being self-induced pressure, you know, but the, and then, you know, you know what it's like, I know what it's like to be that person where it's like, I'm all alone here. I got to carry the weight, even just silly something. I mean, you could think about it in like um, high end corporate terms. I just think about it in silly, like personal terms too. Just yesterday, you know, Ali's dad's been here for a week. I'm concerned that where he's not going to have the best blast day here. And I'm trying to plan the day out, but I'm the only person that cares about that. Nobody else cares about having like a grand finale of a day and let's go do this and do that and go around town. I bring it up like four times. Nobody cares, man. I know nope. it's a good thing. They have you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep bringing it up and nobody is, is biting. 
But I am like, all, point being is that I've taken it on myself, it's on me to make sure that Phil has a grand hurrah, you know, and he's fine. He, he doesn't want to, man. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else does either. You're projecting, but, uh, but, it's like I'm projecting it on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, um, but anyway, it's self-imposed is my point here. It's like, I made that up that if I, that, you know, if we're going to, then it's me. Um, and by the way, that in like healthy ways uh, ends yeah. up being really heroic. Like oh yeah. That, I, when we came and ate with you up in Muir Woods, you were really serving us. And, and Eileen was like, so blessed. So was I, we, we left with, that was so fun just because we had great conversation and you were so attentive that it would be a good conversation. And the dinner was good. We, mm -hmm. we really noticed it. And, and, and it was healthy. It was a good thing. It was like, wow, we felt cared for. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, good. And I, I'm just thinking like the, the, the context of, you know, people deciding, Hey, something needs to happen here yeah. and it's on me. That's what great heroes have done throughout history. You know, really heroism doesn't happen without that. Like I, I'm stepping up, you know, I want the responsibility. I, you know, I'm making a call and I want the responsibility. Like that's what, you know, usually world changers do. There's like, that's all the great, if, you, if you're doing it for a purpose, for a vision, for a person, you know, that great stories come out of that. There's also ways for this to be sideways. Like the one I'm talking about, where it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, blowing, uh, spending a lot of energy, spinning my own wheels and burning a lot of internal fuel and being anxious for nothing. Well, and what happens is, you know, if you're not aware of it, you become authoritarian. Yes. Which means you start to employ all kinds of strategies to make sure it gets done. You become micromanaging, uh, in, you know, manipulative, etc. And it's interesting because the authoritarian who's high one who's high on authoritative and low on collaboration. It's a self-fulfilling kind of existence because what you do is you take away from people the, their responsibility, you try to take hold of it, which increases pressure on you, but also trains them not to take action. And so, you, you know, and if you, one of the things I always listen for is the language, I, I, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Right. Or uh, they won't take responsibility. No matter what I do, I can't get them to take responsibility. Yep. And so, you know, it's listening for that kind of language tells you that there's probably something that needs to be explored and that your problem, you know, it's like it isn't I'm always got a contribution to what's going on around me. So how have I contributed to the point? How am I training people to not get it done or to that they don't have to take responsibility to get it done? And the That's other great. thing is, I won't think that there's other ways because, you know, when you're when I'm a when I'm collaborative, I'm cooperating with others, and I actually find things out that I wouldn't have found out otherwise, right? I, I discover new ways of of um, participating, new ways of solving an issue without um, without having to come up with the answer myself. I, it's it's out of that cooperation that things start to really I start to resource or leverage the team. And, and, you know, it's like knowing when to take all that resource and make a decision. Well, if, if the team has contributed, even if what they've contributed, some of them doesn't go into the decision, they will have a better understanding of why, and it's going to be a lot easier for them to align with the decision. And I, and, and, and the, and the other imbalance is, 
towards, if I'm high on collaborative and low on authoritative, then I'm going to be deferring decisions because I'm going to be afraid to take a stand and say, you know what, this is the direction. I've listened to everybody and this is what we, we I, I want to do this. I'm going to take responsibility for it. And, and get and then go with it. And if, if I've been collaborative, people will understand. They'll tend to line up with it. The, yeah. the way that this usually shows up for me, it, it, just as, as I look at this, where I fall on this paradox, high on authoritarian um, or high on authoritative and, and middle road on collaborative. I know for me, the, I mean, just being honest, like how this shows up for me is I, I want to look, I want to be the guy that, that did the thing. Like I want the merit. I want the, I want the award. And, um, but I also understand logically. And when I'm aware I can counteract, counteract this is that I'm aware that in that um, position, I'm giving up a lot of resource. I'm giving up a lot of possibility in the project. If I've got to always be the guy that came up with the idea um, that did the thing, all of that kind of stuff. And then you're right. You're absolutely right. I tend to burn myself out. I take, I take on too much. Um, I, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Chad will take care of it. Right. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see how it shows up because you guys are talking about a, a different way in which it shows up. But for me, it's definitely like self-glorifying sort of On the behavior. Side, yeah, which is right. understandable. I mean, certainly we all like to do stuff that's wonderful and makes a difference. So that's understandable. But over when you overdo it, or you don't see that it's really part of a part of a, a system, right? It's part of a group effort. Then it can get it can get harmful both to you and to the team. And I was thinking about when you were talking about that, how many times I've put myself in that position, uh, particularly early in sports. I'll never forget, you know, I, you know, you, if you're the one always doing it, you always get, you get on top of it, you get special privileges because damn it, if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't get done. And I, I remember when I was a young athlete, I was a gifted athlete and, and I, and, you know, I kind of like got in my head that, Oh, I, you know, I, I could just mispractice. I remember when I told my coach I was missing practice, I was sick. And I went backpacking with a friend. And while we're pedaling on our, with our backpacks out of town, I guess he drove by and saw me. And he took me off the team. And I remember coming in going, you can't do this. I'm the best player on the team. And you go, oh, no, you're not. You're hurting the team no matter how good you are. And he let me get back on the team, but I had to get everybody's agreement before I could come back on. And what I had to go through taught me a ton man. it taught me how much i depend on other people and he was took a when you think about that stand he was just took a stand and said, no you're off and i came back he'd let me go if i didn't come back and i came back in and said is there some way to get back on the team and he said yeah you need to get agreement with everyone so we had a team meeting and i had i received feedback and oh it was really powerful then they had me run an, an inordinate an inhuman amount of sprints and I don't think I broke a sweat to about the third quarter in the next game. So, they call me Burma Road. That's what we had to, had to run these Burma Road, and they put it on the back of my jersey. But it was a big practice. It was a big deal for me. I mean, it's like I really started understanding what it meant to be collaborative and how much I learned doing it. You know, when they started giving me that feedback, it was really helpful. Yeah. I'm thinking about other – yeah. Whenever you're operating in the in the imbalance towards authoritative or in the authoritative, the top left 
of the quadrant, if you're listening and can picture that the top left is this authoritarian quadrant, um, which is like, you know, one all want the responsibility, decision-making power and the responsibility and not focusing on who else is in the room or what else they bring. And I'm just like, anytime I'm noticing for myself, like anytime I'm the bottleneck, usually this is what's going on. And, you know, this, this happens a ton. Think about your teams, those that are listening about when do things get bottlenecked and who is, who, who likes to bottleneck things up? It might be because what's missing is a conversation about collaborate, about collaboration and what others can bring and how, I mean, I, I, one, of, one of the temptations and challenges, I think, of being a very talented leader is you don't want to collaborate because you're really good and you're uniquely good. And unapologetically, you're probably the best at certain things in the company. That's why you're the leader. And th there is literally, I don't know, I think there's cyclists in pain. I don't use that word that often, but there's some pain in like actually collaborating because it might suffer. The product might suffer in the short term, the product will suffer. So there's like, oh crap, I don't want it to suffer. And then therefore, if that's the case, if that's what you're seeing, you're like, I'll just keep doing it. And I, I won't Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. yeah. And I won't collaborate, uh, but I don't, but I don't, it doesn't occur to me like that. It just like, oh, it makes most sense for me to be the one that's always driving the thing, you know, but then you, then you end up being the bottleneck and great talent goes away because they're not being treated like great talent. And you start organizing yes men, yes women, people yeah. who are just going to go yes, yes, yes. And then you're going to wonder why yeah. you're pressurized and the organization isn't moving. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see, and I'm just thinking through this dynamic and how I've talked about it with people. And I think reality is I don't see a lot of people with low authoritative in my coaching practice. Most of the time they have a high authoritative because they're leaders and they want the ball and every leader wants the ball at some level. And so I, I'm not, I'm rarely, I don't even know if I've ever talked to somebody that's, and that I've ever debriefed with that has low authoritative um, and like is imbalanced towards collaborative towards maybe, maybe so if I've worked with some, maybe some middle management people or some people that are coming up through the ranks. Um, but almost everybody I'm working with has a high authoritative because that's because they want to lead and they want, you know, but it, and you, you'd mentioned it, Dan, I'm just thinking about the other side of this where, defers decisions is the bottom right quadrant where it's like, Hey, let's just talk about it. It's kind of death by committee. Yeah. Like, let's, just, let's just keep talking about this thing. You know what? Hey, we got this thing. Let's keep talking about it. Let's hold on. Who, 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 who's in the meeting? Oh, we need a bigger meeting. Let's get five more people in here and see what they think about it. And let's talk about this thing to death and yeah, get opinions over and over and over again. Um, and, and maybe, and especially now in the type of values that are coming more to the surface, which is like this hyper diplomatic thing, like who do we need to have in the room? So it looks good. Um, you know, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. So this, that might be seen as, as collaborative It might actually be collaborative, but you're not going to be effective until there's a conversation about authoritative, like who's making the call here and who's responsible. Um, Cause otherwise that type of collaboration is some, sometimes like a, um, a communal avoidance, I would say. Yeah. There's and to your point, a lot, I I'm with you. Most of our clients, I've, I can't remember one 
that was higher on collaborative than authoritative, but plenty with flips. Yeah. They become authoritarian. And what that means is they're high on the authoritative, on the on the y, on the vertical axis, like a nine, eight, nine, or ten. And then they're they're like a five or a six on collaborative. So they are mostly an authoritarian. And what happens is when they make decisions, and then if they don't work or they start to falter, they flip into defers decisions. So they, they don't want to take responsibility for the losses, and they, they will tend to then ask other people what they should do or even blame other people. That's what happens, is that I'm extremely authoritarian. If it doesn't work, it must have been somebody else because I know I'm good at this. So well, I also I have that flip. That's, that's on my... Uh, on my paradox. And so for how it happens for me is like, especially if I'm being authoritative and it's not working, people aren't getting on board. <laughs> they still want their voices to be heard. It's like apathy. What's up with you? Up- how do you, how can you deal with that? Those, those stupid people, stupid people, <laughs> stupid people that want to be heard. Don't they get who's running the show around here? <laughs> well, my flip looks like apathy. Right. Well, it's like, it's like, well, if you guys don't appreciate what I'm bringing to the table, or if you can't get on board with that, what I've got, sure. Take it, go, whatever I, I'll, I'll do. I'll go with whatever you got. <laughs> and then get pissed off and, and criticize you later. Cause I told you so now you see. <laughs> I I'm trying it. to run back through any kind of recent team meetings, Chad, yeah. whenever, whenever. I never heard it. <laughs> we need well, to put more pressure on him. See if he flips on us. I will say, I feel like I'm pretty well aware of it. Um, And, and I have tendencies to go there, but um, the awareness is everything. That's why these are, these are um, tendencies. These are, um, you know, we, we have the capacity for, to employ any of these things. And that's why I think it's so important to keep that in mind in these conversations is that, um, you know, prior to my time working with you guys, I mean, Adrian knew me uh, as we were, as I was running a film business and this was absolutely my MO um, a thousand percent. It was like yeah. my way I'm making the decision. This is what we're doing. And if you don't get on board, yeah, then I'll pit, I'll get pissed. I'll whine like a baby. And then I'll, I'll say, okay, then it's up to you guys. You guys do this thing. I'll do whatever you want to do. Take your marbles and go home or hold your marbles and follow. But you know, you bring up a great point. Um, which was the these things, if you're aware of it, that's one of the best workarounds in the world. If I'm aware that this happens for me, when it, I can notice when it comes up, then I can, okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do some collaboration. I'm gonna check in. What other, what's really going on here that I might be missing, right? Something like that. So that's, and that's, if you think about it, is the primary reason for doing the assessment is to just bring people's awareness around it and then to provide what we do is we build an environment will which that will and we customize it so that it will focus on because we can do this with the whole team, map it out with the whole team so the team can see where the where the culture rests and then where it goes under pressure, how it flips, where the blind spots are, and then we can devise training environments that'll that will replicate those kinds of pressures and then we can work with what comes up in that environment. And people become more and more aware of their own machinery. They have more and more access to find new resource when it comes up. Yeah. Well, I notice it. I notice it mostly when it feels like a threat, right? If like one of my ideas is being questioned or somebody has a different idea that I think I've already tried or there's no possibility in. And then it, and then I get a little like, 
my heart rate goes up a little bit. I get a little bit hot in the face. I'm like, Whoa. whoa." So that, that it's, it's a, it's a great indicator, right? It's a great just sign that says, Hey, take a look at this. What's going on. An ally. It goes from being an enemy or a blind spot to being an ally. Like, Oh, Oh, pay attention right here. Hi, I'm, I'm showing up to give you an idea that there's something you may not be seeing. That's exactly right. And it's, it becomes an invitation um, for something to, to dive in and be curious about it and to say, Hey, hold on. Nothing's threatening you here. You know, you just that what you just said is another interesting distinction because most people don't realize that you, your nervous system can't, can't hold two states at once. So you could be upset, angry, edgy, reactive. The minute you get curious about it, it starts to dissipate. Right. Like if, I know, as you know, in my relationship with Eileen, she would say, well, what, aren't you curious? And then I get curious and all of a sudden I wouldn't be angry because I'd start to get upset because for whatever I was projecting on her. And as I get curious about it, I, things open up like, you know, it's like saying to yourself, well, if it wasn't this way, would you want to know if it wasn't the way you're making it up to be? If it wasn't the way you're seeing it, would you want to know? You know? Yeah, there's a lot of great questions that can snap you out out of the reaction and into the curiosity. Um, but it's just that, yeah, it's it's exactly that the the being awareness of oh hey this is familiar I know this story, I know uh, <laughs> and it goes sideways enough times where you're like oh yeah I know I don't why I know I know I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something better here. And, you know, and, and I know we work with a lot of founders and a lot of the, you know, the founders we work with are, they're so deep into their business that they, they naturally want, they want to get out of, out of being in the business and start working on it. And this delegation paradox is vital to enable to facilitate that, right? Because if I, you know, when you hire people, if A, if you're really authoritarian, you might just be hiring helpers instead of leaders, Right. So the more balanced you get, the more you're going to find competent people who can challenge you in a good way to sharpen the saw and increase your effectiveness together. Right. Where you can then synergize like two are better than one, like orders of magnitude better than one. And if you can synergize together, synergize then and get each other working together in a way where your talents are lined up, well, you're going to produce 10 times the results you would if you were doing it alone and you're going to have less pressure, which means you're going to be more creative and you can work on the business and strategize. So that, that's a, and, but that's not a, you know, it's simple to think about, but it's a, it's an interesting dance and it's a, a very rewarding one given if people are willing to have these kinds of conversations. Yeah. I was just thinking about, um, because we naturally live in like an either or, worldview. So like either I'm in charge or they are either I'm responsible or they are, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, who's running this meeting? Whose meeting is this? Whose project is this? Whose team is this? Blah, blah, blah. You know? So, and those are, that's, I think that's like the gravity. I mean, I think that's, that's what people naturally do is thinking like that. The power of this, of this, dynamic is to suspend that and say, hold on, what if we're all responsible and 
want to share the responsibility simultaneously. Because that's for most teams, that's going to be something new. Even think about a meeting that you're running and how people contribute when it's their thing and when it's not their thing, quote unquote, their thing, right? Because I'm here to like really be all in kicking ass when it's my thing. And I'm here to run this and press this and get this thing. And then I'm done. And then I'm sitting here waiting, checking emails while everybody else talks. You know, that's the natural, I think that's the natural dynamic because we think that I'm responsible when something's got my name on it, instead of I'm responsible because this is who I am. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. Like if you're complaining about meetings, the question you ought to ask yourself when the boss calls the meeting or, you know, whoever it is that calls the meeting is, why have I called this meeting? Even though it's coming out of their mouth, I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to be impacted by what's decision there. Decisions are made there. So what do I, what am I committed to have happen there? Yeah. And then I, that changes the whole meeting. So if yeah. the meeting's not moving, I can speak right into it about getting done what I'm committed to. Yeah. Well, and people can get really touchy and say phrases like stay in your lane. Yeah. Which is usually code for stop trying to be responsible for what I'm responsible for. I don't want your opinions. <laughs> oh, that opens up some great conversation. You know? And so anyway, I think if, if we, as we think about an ideal scenario or like what, what, uh, what a team could be aiming for to think about these two things, if they're happening simultaneously, like high authoritative and high desire for preference for coordinating with other people like, Oh, I, I want you in this man. What do you think about? Oh, no, it's not your thing. It's my thing. But I really want you to think, I'd love your idea. What is it? How does this thing get better? And then like, if, it's a, if it's a conversation where everybody gets to have an opinion about everything, most organizations won't do that. Yeah. Due to ego and personality, not due to lack of effectiveness. Now, we don't have time to sit in meetings all day long and do marathon meetings about everybody's opinion about everything. But Because yeah, there's lots of things I don't have an opinion about. Even in our, even in our work, I just don't have an opinion about it or I, I could have an opinion, but I know it won't matter. I'm going to trust Chad to do it or just other people we've got or Dan to do it or Eileen to do it. And, you know, so I don't need to share my opinion about the thing, but I'm just thinking about the ideal of if everybody holds strongly to, I want, I want authority, you know, the, the I want the, uh, the uh, ability to make decisions and the power and responsibility that comes with that. And I want you to have the exact same thing. And where we're not threatened, we're hyper open, hyper committed to each other and being seen. Um, I'm on the hook and everybody's on the hook simultaneously. How could that change a meeting? Yeah, I think about what does it look like of the dynamics of a team, just like exactly what you're talking about, just different phrasing, I think, Adrian, is that what does it look like when a team is collaborative in the decision-making, making the decisions together, but then all accepting the decision-making responsibility. You know, there's a, I don't know if you read um, Good to Great by Tim Collins, Jim Collins. And um, he talks about that. He talks about great teams, talks about the difference between two teams. I can't remember what, there were two banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. And at this time, I think it was Wells Fargo, Bank of America had the corporate Everybody had the corporate nod. They do what the guy said. And nobody, it wasn't a lot of, you know, colliding. And then 
Wells Fargo was very collaborative, but collaborative looked like they had great arguments, hard arguments, hard yelling matches sometimes, but they were arguing for something, not just their way. They were arguing for the vision and that they, they seemed, they got ahead of the market because they came up with the best decisions out of, you know, when they came up against tough decisions, they would come up with a better decision because they were so engaged with each other about it and they were willing to risk uh, what people thought about them, except they were willing to be um, disruptive with each other in order to find the best decision. So collaboration, cooperation can look like that. It can look like a passionate engagement for the benefit of the vision or the mission. And people are willing to subordinate how what their political interests are and their need to look good or feel good or be right about themselves in order to bring out the best decision for the mission. So... Well, this is a great place to, to put a stamp on it. I think this has been a great conversation. Um, really love this paradox and thinking about all the directions that it can go and the imbalances and balances. But thank you so much for bringing it, gentlemen. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the conversation, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Always enjoy it. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Podcast.